1: As, a, as, as you are well aware, uh, the entire reality we live in seems to be slowly uh, ripping at the seams and becoming threadbare in a way that is uh, an existential horror at all times. And I saw someone experiencing it tonight in a very acute way. Uh, I went to the grocery store to pick up a couple odds and ends uh, to make a few meals that I realized I didn't have one thing or the other for. And as I was walking through Giant, uh, I saw a woman who had come to get eggs. And if you've been to the grocery store lately, you've noticed that there are things that are not being stocked very well. And the giant in Edgewater is out of eggs. They have no eggs. Um, And she was just standing, like she had gotten all the way. It wasn't that she spotted it from afar. It's that she walked all the way up to the eggs and was as close as to, to the eggs as you can get. And it stopped and was just standing and staring into the entirely empty egg area. Um, And she just, I watched her for a solid six, seven seconds and she just, was staring down at the eggs. She wasn't looking at her phone. She wasn't distracted. She was just like, what am I going to do now? There's no eggs. Did at any
0: point she scream,
1: I need six eggs. No, she didn't. She didn't scream or gesture or anything. She just stood and
0: stared. Um, And I think Ben is confused because he hasn't watched Beauty and the Beast recently enough.
1: I mean, I I didn't get it, uh, but i haven't watched beauty you the don't have kids yes since the 90s Adam, i probably Adam, to watch it in a high school class Adam, when the teacher didn't want to teach
2: Konto. all we watch is Encanto. that is the only disney movie that i can that is in my brain it's all bruno no
0: well i mean i have if, it's mostly bruno but i i have no other it's disney only bruno at all times
2: the only thing we, we talk, talk about, about bruno, okay. no the only thing we talk about is bruno adam ben, ben has posted about how in this house we only talk about bruno
1: i saw this tweet i didn't know what he was talking about and to my mind bruno is the um the sasha baron cohen character um and not uh anyone from
0: no Cincinnati. it's john it leguizamo things, bruno is one john of the leguizamo. things you need to know is seven foot frame rats along his back
2: Lily will do, she does the whole thing. She goes, you can't see this on the no, podcast. But Lily does the dance. entire uh, uh, seven foot frame rats upon his back thing. She does it like, and, and she like every morning we wake her up and she's like, no, no song. And I'm like, all right, all right. All right. I mean, I gotta give it to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm glad that we're all
1: finding a distraction. My distraction currently, my, the Bruno of my life is Chairman Kaga from the Iron Shift Japan, because I've been watching old reruns of that, uh, very frequently. Mine because is I, the
0: Vantalord.
1: Okay. See, see, I can't get into anything new. I don't have the wherewithal because of the reality, uh, the fabric of reality tearing around us as things continue to fail, yep. uh, which is what this woman was experiencing as she stared into the abyss in the egg area at the Edgewater Giant. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm grateful that I have uh, Chairman Kaga and uh Fukuisan and Ota-san guiding me through uh, things like the Red Snapper battle and the uh, Potato battle, etc.
0: So when you walked away from her, did you go to the produce section and pick up a yellow pepper and just take a big bite out of it?
1: No, because then I would have had to buy a yellow pepper and I didn't actually need one. Uh, so I didn't do that. You uh, need but... one
0: for the bit, but...
1: It wasn't a bit. I wasn't doing an Iron Chef bit. Um, (laughs) Poor
0: decision making. I I don't
1: have the clothing, uh, Adam. I do not have the clothing to pull off the Chairman Kaga outfit, which I feel like is part of the deal.
0: Um, If I did,
1: then that's different, but I, I can't currently pull that off.
0: Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and when you stare at the eggs, the eggs stare back at you. Podcast, I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Jason Anderson. Ben Bromley, we are all from blackandredunited.com, where we cover DC United, and uh, we have some things to talk about tonight, but maybe not as much as I would have wanted or expected to be talking about at this point in January. We'll get into that. Uh, but first, I have to ask you guys this question. Ben, what are you drinking? Bourbon and Coke. Nice. Solid, That's the tweet. Unfussy. Uh, yep. I, I'm still, I'm I'm recovered. From from my little battle with the uh, raging pandemic um, that I was dealing with last week, but I'm still taking it easy. I'm just drinking some nice fresh water tonight, you know, as one does. How about you, Jason?
1: Wait, fresh water from where?
0: From from my refrigerator from the from the Brita <laughs> okay. pitcher. Thank you,
1: thank you for being specific. Um, uh, I am drinking uh, Devil's Backbones Vienna Lager. Uh, I went back to the old, uh, the, the suitcase, the 15 can pack, though the price on that has gone up by $2.50, which made me immediately look I-O-A at robbery. all, I went and looked at all the other options in the store, but I wanted beer like as soon as I got home when I bought it and the options that were uh, comparable or better were on the um, the shelf and not in the fridge. So I was like, well, I guess I'm paying two fifty extra. Um, extra, but it's still good. It's still a good deal. So I'm going to keep buying it.
0: All right. On to DC United news. Uh, As I alluded to, there's not a ton happening in the DC United orbit at this point, almost frustrating, little frustratingly little. Um, But we do have some things to talk about with the season less than seven weeks out. Um, First up is the super draft last week. We talked with Travis Clark to help preview that first round um, and DC United, of course, traded out of the first round after um, or when their pick came up. So they didn't do it in advance of the draft. They did it um, when their their number was called, basically. Um, they got 100000 in GAM for that that first round pick and then made some picks in the second and third round. They got uh, a playmaker out of Oregon State named uh, Sofian Jafal. They got Alex Nagy out of Vermont, uh, a midfielder forward, slasher. Uh, And in the third round, they got Skog Simonson, a central midfielder uh, from SMU by way of St. John's. Um, Not the most active day. There's some promise on these guys. I think Jafal, in particular, had a a fun sizzle reel to watch uh, from his time at Oregon State. But,
2: I mean... (laughs) The draft is what the draft is at this point. We've talked about it for years now. MLS MLS pundits have been talking about it for years now. Um, I feel like if you're not in the top five, if you're not able to get a a Generation Adidas player, or sometimes even if you are, uh, you're going to get more value out of signing Academy players than you are necessarily going in the draft. And so if you just pick uh, um, high-risk, high-reward players like it seems like dc united has maybe you'll uh hit a home run and if you don't it's okay um dc one of dc united's first round picks from last year is currently playing in uh usl championship uh some people might think like oh he was the the what the number six pick uh five. was the shields five uh and like that's a high pick but i mean no other team in mls uh decided to try and acquire him he's playing in usl and maybe he'll develop and and uh uh pop back to mls mls in, in another year or two or three but uh, who knows so i'm fine with the high risk high reward f- out of places that aren't in folks's um uh, like MLS catchment areas, Academy catchment areas, because you're trying to find some diamonds in the rough. And if you can't find them, uh, that's fine. Cause uh, we, you've, you're signing players like Ted, uh, Ted Kudipetro and, and other folks and it's all right.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, these were interesting picks. Um, the fact that they used, uh, they picked two internationals, which is not the first time that DC's, it's actually the third year in a row. They've picked an international in the draft. they picked uh Simon lefeb, uh, the uh, gigantic goalkeeper. um They picked kamarney Smith last year with the number four. Um, so clearly, this might be an area that the team is seeing. maybe those players are not being valued correctly, and they're trying to get in on a a, a certain idea of uh you know an underappreciated asset where they're saying, look, this player is you know top four or five in terms of overall talent. And if we happen to, like Ben said, if we happen to hit a home run with them, um, then that's great. And if we don't, well, you know, Loudon has seven international spots. Um, I expect that these are guys that are going to play for Loudon for the majority of the year, if we're lucky. Um, one of them gets a, a contract offer with DC uh, and, and provides some depth. Um, but you know, the idea at this point, when you look at the history of the recent history of the draft is that, the second, the third, last year's second round, I went through this for our write-up, uh, literally no second round player played one minute in MLS in 2021 uh, as a rookie. They, they, a lot of, them, almost all of them signed USL deals with a USL affiliate or for the teams that don't have a direct affiliate were loaned out to independent USL teams, but they didn't play. Um, and so that's the expectation you have to have is that these are not guys that you should be planning the year around um, I don't think D.C. is planning the year around them. I think they are saying these are guys that we think could have a future at the D.C. level in 2023, 2024. Yep. Um, now, they do have – there's kind of a ticking clock with the internationals, especially because they are generally older than the Players' Command of College. Um, Jeff Fahl turns 23 in April, and I think Simonson turns 24 in April or, or May, something like that. Um, so they are older. You know, 25 is not young. Um, or 24 is not young in MLS. That's uh, you you are no longer on the young player track, and you're you're closer to being a veteran than a young player. So you you really have a short time frame to prove that you're going to make it at this level. Um, but when you look at the skill sets, I know Matt Doyle tweeted out that his favorite player in the entire draft was Sofiane Jaffal. Um, I talked to Travis Clark, who we just had on um after the draft, and he said very talented player um it's not just a sizzle reel it's it's you know the the skill there is legit um the, with the ball at his feet he's certainly got mls quality technical skill um it's a matter of does he have the engine to play in a pressing system unknown because he hasn't been tested at doing that um simonson's a really interesting player because he's six foot three and 200 pounds uh and so Playing when you watch central his midfield hi- yeah you watch his highlight reel and he's he's Playing an attacking role in this midfield where he is built like a gigantic center back, but he is up against, you know, a guy that's 5'10, 160, um, you know, trying to post up on this guy and, and turn out of traffic. And it's like that could be a very unique skill set. Um, a player with that size, and he's not he didn't look slow. He didn't look ungainly. Um, so if he can do those things. Then you might have something special there, uh, a a kind of a player that we don't see a lot in MLS or really anywhere. Uh, There aren't a lot of players that are just that much bigger and stronger than everyone else in midfield. Um, The other thing that crossed my mind immediately was if he's a little slow for an MLS midfield, but if he's got the brain and the technical ability, maybe he transitions to a deeper role of center back uh, because he's got the build of a center system. Right. If if he can step into the midfield at times, but is still ex- generally going to be deeper. Now, I don't know if he's ever done that. Uh, I haven't heard anything saying that he has or has not. It's inconclusive, but it's just something that sprung to my mind as like, well, you know, college players get drafted and they usually a, a lot of times have to adjust. They have to become a wide player or a second forward or, an, you know, a 10 becomes an eight pretty famously. Um, Simonson's more of an eight. Maybe he becomes more of a deeper holding kind of player maybe he moves all the back to center back I don't know um but yeah it, it's an interesting uh it's an interesting crop I I don't know a lot about Nagy there wasn't even a highlight reel um if you were looking through our article wondering why there are two and not three the reason is that there wasn't a third one um I could have put like highlights from a random Vermont game that he did something in but that's not his highlight reel that's the Vermont catamounts and their highlight reel um but uh you know he put up 10 assists last year. Um, he was on the Herman watch list, which is, uh, the preseason. Like these are the guys that might win the MVP for college soccer list. So not bad. Um, Loudon definitely. We're going to talk about, uh, Ted Pietro. um, Loudon lost a lot in the attack, um, with him moving up with Johnny Bolivar and Darlouis Paz, their loans ended. They didn't get signed. Gausu Samake is now with DC United. Um, that is most of their chance generation and goal scoring uh, from last year. Um, Kamarney Smith is next on the list and we figure he'll probably spend a lot of time on loan there. I would imagine at least at the start of the year. Yep. Um, so there are some holes in that roster for creative attacking players, which is what Jeff Hall and, and Nagy are um, to fit in.
0: They're going to have um, opportunities in loud. Yeah.
1: If, if they can't, if they can't make it work in Loudon in 2022, will know that it's not going to work out for them. Um, I think it is really one of those things where like this is your your season to prove yourself, um, with both of those players and, and with Simonson as well. Um, but we'll see. I, I heard, you know, Simonson, the the things that I heard was that there's kind of a divisive set of opinions on him, whether he was actually very underrated and should have been way near the front of the draft, if not for his international status. Um and there are also questions about whether he has the the minute to minute focus to make it at the professional level, um, so kind of a divisive player, which DC's taken a few of those. Um, I think LeFante was also divisive. well. Nick DeLeon was divisive because people thought his injury meant that he was out of shape. Um, which is uh, not, not that we had to deal with the combine anymore, but like one of the silliest things in the world was people being like, "Well, he played badly at the combine; he must suck." Um, yep. and it's like, well, what about everything else you learned about him outside of this bizarre? four-day competition that you've thrust him into. Um, but the combine's dead. We don't have to continue talking about how silly it was. Um, yeah, the 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 avenue for these guys is there uh, to succeed. Ryan Martin will give them chances. We know that Loudon's philosophy has not been, let's grind out some results. It's been, we're going to play the style that we need so that these players can prepare themselves if they're going to make the step up to make that step. Um, and if that comes at the cost of some losses, so be it. Um, that's been the way it's gone. That's why the record has not been great. They have not played, um, soccer for results. They've played it for growth. So the opportunities will be there and these guys will get their chances. It's just a matter of can they, are they good enough to seize them? Are they focused enough to seize them? That's the, that's the test. And certainly, you know, now that Loudon has, uh, not just Ryan Martin, but, uh, Fred Briant is now down there as an assistant coach. Um, the team just announced that. So, there, it's going to be very quick and very easy for them to be like, look, this is this is the standard you have to meet. I'm a, I'm a guy that was playing at that standard last year, um, so I can tell you very directly whether you're you're going to cut it or not and wh- what you have to improve to get there. So, we'll see. It's it's it'll. I think it's going to be a good year for people to make sure you're firing up your ESPN Plus and watching those Loudon games because they are going to be fascinating. I think.
0: Yeah. One thing to note on these three players, none of them has been signed as far as I know at this point, that's correct. They all have to earn a contract, whether that's, yes. uh, you know, the home run, they, they ball out in preseason and earn a first team contract they do it or they're spenders. just signed or they're, yeah. Or they're just signed directly to Loudon, um, which, which seems more likely, but there, yeah. there's a possibility that one or more of these players is not signed at all. If they just don't,
1: yeah. If they, I mean, if they pre-season. come in and yeah, and, and DC, we have to assume that they're going to follow the path they've followed, which has been a lot of those loud and spots get filled by lonies who are effectively here on a one-year trial yes. as well. Um, so the competition will be there. Um, I, I think Ryan Martin has posted. Um, I believe he was in uh, West Africa at some sort of tournament, some sort of talent spotting event for players of the region. Um, so yeah, they are going to be looking. Uh that's part of the deal. That's part of the idea of Loudoun existing. Um, so yeah, they will it's not that they're not just gonna be handed, you know, infinite starts. They're gonna have competition for time. Uh a lot of DC's younger Academy players are gonna push in, guys uh, like um um now I'm I'm forgetting his name, I should have it in front of me. Um there are there are several Academy players that were pushing for more minutes that weren't quite breaking through because Cudi Pietro was there or Sama was there. Um, now those avenues are open to not just these new players that came in on draft day and not just these interna- international, international loanees, but the kids that have been there and who has come through Loudon and gotten deals. More of those have been the Academy players. There are more Moses Nyman's Jeremy Garais, Kevin Paredes. There are more of those guys. than there are guys that came in on a Loudon deal, not through the Academy system that made the jump. You want to see both sides providing that, but right now, the academy players are the ones I think that if if there's a tie in the coach's mind, it's probably going to be like, well, let's give this kid a little more time Um, because that doesn't just help with homegrowns. It also helps kind of show the entire academy setup, the entire local youth soccer scene where DC has this reputation of not being a way to get through. You say, look, we're giving these, like, the kids that you know, the kids that you played against that you're saying aren't getting a chance, they're playing professional soccer right. at Loudoun against, you know, Indy 11 or Hartford Athletic or whatever. Um, we are – the chances are there. Um, so they're going probably – that's my sense. That's not people from Loudoun telling me that. That's just what I glean from watching them play. Um, so, yeah, the the for these draft picks, the pressure – there's maybe more pressure on them to succeed immediately than there is on – the homegrown players uh because of their ages but it is going to be interesting to see what impact they make i would expect that they all get signed um based on what's there and what what we think is going to happen as far as that roster goes but you know if they happen to get a player on loan from i mean they've gotten some pretty odd players on loan over the years um you know i think Elvis Amo was signed via some sort of loan from a club in like the Czech third division um like, the players are coming from all over the place. Um, and I will say, Loudon's got, like, I think I mentioned this a little while ago on the show, um, a lot of the players that played at Loudon for, like, a season and then moved on have actually become, like, contributors on the better teams in USL. Like, watching the USL playoffs last year, it was like, oh, yeah, Kyle Murphy, he was Loudon's leading scorer their first year. And then it's Elvis MO making a penalty in the semifinal. It's like, oh, there is, there's Elvis Amo. And um, uh, Colin Murphy, the goalkeeper, was in the penalty shootout in that same game on the other team. It was like, oh, oh, all these guys played for and I've seen all these guys. Um, so yeah, they this is a team that is starting to prove that it's a path to professional soccer. Doesn't always work for DC. Maybe these guys don't make it here, but maybe they make it somewhere. But hopefully, hopefully we're talking about some success from the draft a little more than they got last year because last year, you know, Ben mentioned the trade-up that they made it was a costly trade they they paid a good deal of money on that one and it did not work out um trading up for DeShields shields was it was a it was a flop it didn't work which is sometimes you gamble and, and lose um dc traded out they actually got the pick that became Jafal in that trade it wasn't just the 100,000 um and you know by comparison to i want to say the the red bulls traded up twice yeah. and i want to say chicago um went from Chicago got a hundred thousand for exchanging pick seven for pick 11 and DC got a hundred thousand for exchanging pick 13 for pick, uh, what was it?
0: 26, 31, something like that. Um,
1: which doesn't look as good, but it also kind of shows that the, you know, you're kind of trying to read a market that's not as easy to read anymore because you don't have everyone in the same room. It also Um,
0: tends to be a pretty sharp curve. Yes um, once where once the first those, few picks are you know they cost a lot 150 200,000 right in game and then after to, that to sw- plus an plus a an adjacent pick and then once you get out of the top 10 it right. starts the the value starts to drop off pretty quickly unless there's someone who's desperate for that spot right. if it's up to your pick and you don't have someone banging your door down for it um you you're going to take what you can get yep. there and 100k is not not bad for that spot, especially since, as we said, like even the hit of the two first rounders that DC United had last year is, you know, in pole position to contribute at Loudon this year. That's as far as he's gotten. So hopefully, you know, he can move on uh, and keep improving. And, and these guys, yeah, I mean, as well, and
2: I would take that 100k any day of the week. In game. I mean, especially for a, a draft pick in the mid to late first round, give me that game and let DC United spend that in any way that they wish on
0: not a draft pick because that money is more valuable than that draft pick. Some other money they have coming in, uh, moving on from the draft now, uh, thanks to the sale of Eric Sorga to Gutenborg in Sweden, the All Svenskin. I think you might have um, added
1: an N that's that's not part of their name.
0: Borg Or go yeah, you're right. Go a Borg. Go to Borg. There's no N there. I think. No, just, 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 just FC go.
1: I think we have to assume that that none of us has any handle on how to pronounce a Swedish uh G. Uh no. is is my understanding is that no one no Americans ever get this right. So just have to accept that we're we're wrong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he had been on loan to Dutch second division side, V-V-V-Venlo. Um, I love it. I, lo- I think there should be more soccer teams whose name is basically the air horn sound effect. <laughs> are um, are you need enjoying that the- in my life?
1: Well, we, need, well, we need acronyms in which someone is like, because Americans, I think, would be like, the acronym needs to say so. It has to be like a word you can pronounce and not three V's in It can't just be an row.
0: initialism, it has to be an actual. Yeah. Uh,
1: whereas the Dutch are like,
0: no, three V's in a row is completely fine. <laughs> and when the next, when the word itself actually starts with V, they're right. It is fine. It's better. <laughs> um, Eric Sarga, though, moving on. Um, coming in uh, from Loudon, as we've mentioned at this point, Ted Kudipietro, uh who was ending for Loudon last year um in his was that his second or third year as a pro i think second year
1: i think second year year. as a pro with a contract but third i think he played as an academy player with Loudon that first year um Mm -hmm. i might have that wrong but yeah i believe this i'm 99 percent sure second year under contract with Loudon on a professional deal
0: but he played everywhere in the midfield basically Mm -hmm. um attacking spots sent deeper spots even played up top i think uh, I don't know if he played wing back, but I'm sure he could. Uh, I think in
1: emergencies. I think there were some late game situations where he took that role.
0: Right. He's he's a classic anywhere but center back kind of player, but he led the team in every relevant <laughs> attacking category while doing that. Which yeah. that you you see why he's on the first team now. I don't know where Losada is going to use him, but I feel confident saying he's going to get some minutes this year.
1: Yeah, I mean when you when you want to bring a player up from the USL level you want them to be a player who's already at a young age no matter what you know he's I think he's turning 20 this year um you want him to be not just potential to contribute in the year but you want some some proof behind that um and Kudy Pietro wasn't just Loudon's best player he was one of the best players in USL period last year um on all these underlying metrics um he drove that team forward. Um, There's a certain, I've mentioned this with Griffin Yao and I see it with Kudi Pietro as well. There's an insistence in how he plays um, a real urgency to set the tempo high, to keep going, to, to not get discouraged by the score, um, to keep going after it, uh, trying to create things, trying to make stuff happen on, on and off the ball. Um, He's got a pretty wide range of skills. It's not just a, he has to do this to succeed. Um, So i think i think this is one to be excited about i know as as dc united fans everyone's like where's the rest of it like we need more moves and we do uh but this one by itself is pretty good um this is kind of this is kind of the ideal for loudon is a player that develops tangibly develops becomes more well-rounded quickly still at a young age um if he had played college soccer, I don't think he would be where he's at. I think the professional environment seems to have really benefited him quite a bit. Um, Being able to, to know that it's close to to make that, that step um, and become an MLS player. Um, Because, you know, if DC were convinced at 16 or 17, they would have offered him the homegrown deal. Then we've seen them do that with a bunch of the other guys that are in that same age cohort as him. They got the deal early. And with him, they said, you, you know, we're still interested, but you need to prove it. It's going to take a little more time to prove it. And the mentality to then say, okay, I will prove it. um, And to come through like he's done is I think really the kind of mentality you need. Um, It's not just about the technique and and all that stuff. Um, It's about, does he have the mental strength to take that step and become part of a team that it's demanding Um, the way that DC plays is tough. It's hard to play like that. And for him to, you know, he's going to have to sort of empty the tank every single game. Can he do that? Can he, you know, grasp the fact that the pressing system like Paul Arreola has to press Julian Gressel has to press. They have to make these defensive, uh, this non-glamorous side of the game. Um, If you can do that and still be talented uh, with the ball, then you're in business. But if you're like, I'm good with the ball though, I don't have to do all this extra stuff. This is not going to be the team for you. I don't think because DC is certainly not a team that has room for passengers, um, without the ball. So, uh, the fact that he was able to show that so regularly with Loudon, I think is, is crucial. Um, I, you know, Adam, you mentioned the prospect of him seeing some time this year. I'm, I'm with you because I think, especially if they play three, four, three, um, one of those roles off either side of the forward, you're adding a little more of an eye for goal, a little more of a final third technical touch that some of the guys that filled those roles didn't have this year. Um, thinking of like Yamil Assad's minutes. Um, yeah, you know, ideally you want to fill Yamil Assad's role with someone that draws a Yamil Assad level salary and has his experience and just is more effective this year. But if you happen to have to give those minutes to Cudi Pietro, I don't think it's gonna be bad. Um I don't think that's a bad outcome uh if if he's able to take that step and impress. Um which it is a step up still. Um that he's done everything he can at the lower level, but we are still in the like okay now what can you do up with the main group um but yeah i i i think he's able to i think he's going to be able to contribute this year and not in a you know open cup spot starter kind of role, but like regularly i think maybe he has more of an avenue to playing time than um Yao for example, is more of a winger for a four three three uh he's more of a true wide. Forward, not just wide of Kamara, but wide out on the touchline kind of guy. Right. Um Pietro is a little more of a half spaces kind of guy, um, and the way Losada sets his team up, that's usually there's more of a need for that than there is someone that wants to be. Which is why Yao has seen time as a wingback rather than, um, I mean, not that he's only played wingback, but there's there's a look at him out to, closer to the touchline, and that's the position that's there. Gudi um, Pietro doesn't have that aspect. He's someone that can play more comfortably in a more central role so they there may be an avenue for him to uh like we're just saying about these loudon players the draft to prove uh that he has a game day every day you know making that group of 20 that gets named because he can play a few different roles um but we'll see We'll, we'll see if he's able to bring um what he brought it i mean if he can if he can play 750 minutes and contribute some goals and assists and look the part then it's a that's a huge success for year one for him
0: uh as jason alluded to that's that's all the movement we have at this point um frederick retired officially um and joins loudon as as an assistant coach but we don't have any other player comings or goings to to really talk about right now um which is, I, I said at the top, almost frustrating because preseason is starting in a week and less than a week, maybe. And we don't, we don't have major signings to, to talk about. And I know a lot of people are frustrated by that. And I, I, I am too. Uh, I, I'm normally one to say, you know, wait till January. As soon as January 1st hits, that's when you move, start unlocking. And DC United did pursue Albert Rusnak last week uh free agent from r s l well they they were in and they they at least spoke deep into the process um talk accelerated quickly at least according to some sources and reports on twitter, and then flamed out just as quickly um which is which is how that goes sometimes um he was reportedly signing with l a and then that was off, and ultimately he signed uh with Seattle because today yeah thursday as we it's thursday as we record and he signed Mm -hmm. or it was announced anyway officially today um and seattle has a knack for for landing free i mean they
1: they made him a designated player probably one that they can pay down with tam but still um dc maybe didn't want to use that third spot maybe they want to hold it till summer which is not going to be a popular move i don't think but um that might be the thought process or it might be like look we think you're a tam level player only we don't want to give you that um dp level investment we're already doing that with uh ola kamara steve goff reported that his actual pay that he got in his hands uh or in his bank account i don't think they hand him cash it's a
0: high level tam deal for, yeah what
1: well, it's, it's a high level tam deal where he gets 1.5 million it just the cap hit and what he gets are different as always in mls because yes. of the the black box that MLS has to be forever for some
0: reason. It's weird that the players union reports the adjusted number and not the player gross, which is what they always say they're reporting. But it was the same thing when Fabiano Spindola was on the team. Like right. he was making more than the max budget hit and it was being bought down uh before he was a DP. But um, speaking of Kamara, the team is still making him available for, for trade or transfer. There's apparently a uh, couple MLS teams that have inquired about it. Paul Areola, uh keeps insisting that the interest from Club America in Mexico is is real and that he would be interested in, in going there. Um, I think it's pretty clear he's not going anywhere right now, uh, at least I hope not, because he's a pretty important part of this team, especially if another big-name attacker is not brought in. Yeah. So,
1: Yeah, uh, I can only imagine the reaction if one – no big, no big expenditures occurred. And then the most well-paid player on the team outside of Edison Flores were to leave. Um, that well, would be... imagine
0: how bad it would be if Kamara left too. You have a golden boot right. contender who, you know, yes. Father time is undefeated in the end, but uh, he had his best season ever in MLS last year. Yeah. And I know a lot of people think he's a, not a natural fit for Losada's system, but, dude put in the work last year. We 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 talked about how when he and Roberta were playing together, he was the one making more of the tracking runs and the pressing runs, not Roberta. Um and he, you know, got himself into shape and yeah, he misses some chances, but he he's pretty bang on on his expected goals. Every yeah. forward in the world misses chances. I, I
1: this is MLS where we don't have a 75 million dollar or a million euro striker. Uh, that can be relied upon to finish above their expected goals because pretty much those are the only guys that do it
0: Um, Uh, on the regular. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This is a kind of a data proven thing that like finishing is not so much the thing it's, it's just getting chances in bulk um, until you get to the very, very peak of strikers everywhere, which I hate to tell you, but MLS doesn't have those guys. If
0: Um, if Ola Kamara was going to finish every, you know, 0.3, expected goal chance which is a good chance right um uh, he would not be p- playing in mls he'd be playing yeah, a he never would
1: have he never would have played an mls yeah. um i uh, think i the... remember
0: when i think i've mentioned this on the show before when Thierry henry mm-hmm. got to uh mls and he's playing with bradley Wright phillips and bwp was leading the golden boot race and henry is like yeah he'd have twice as many goals right now if he could fucking finish yeah
1: Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, that is, that's the deal in MLS. Like it's not the best league in the world, which I think we all know. Um, So, you know, uh, the the main thing for DC though, here is um, if you're going to shop the, the golden boot runner up and you're going to have one of your designated players seemingly, maybe not angling for a move necessarily, but keeping the door wide open and letting people know that the door is open in case they want to come in. Um, you need something coming the other way. And the major rumors we've had so far have been the Yalya Boa rumor, um, which was there. It was serious for a few days um, until I think it became clear that the price was a little higher than DC rated him. Basically, it was DC's like, I don't think he's worth that much. Um, and so they went away from it. Columbus felt otherwise and they made the move instead. Um, and that's that's about it. It's been a real quiet, uh, winter, and we're not... I mean, they just announced today that DC is going to play Inter-Miami uh, at Durf Punk Stadium uh, on the 29th. I thought it was Durf Punk. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me. Durf Punk uh, Stadium. Um, that's 16 days from when we're recording this. Like, moves, moves I mean, have to
2: start happening.
1: Is yes, moves
2: do, need, moves do need to start happening, but also DC United is kind of known for their late happening moves. Sure. So... I'll give them a little more time, but like we say, most most off-seasons, DC United can't just sit on the previous season's roster. That's never something that works out for DC United or really any MLS team, but they've got to make more impact signings, especially, like you all were saying, if they get rid of Ola Kamara, they've definitely got to make impact signings uh, yeah,
0: to keep this team moving forward. You you can't put a transfer hall on the field to score goals, um, so you got to get well.
2: Uh, I players. mean, it'd be a, it'd be a lot of cones, Adam.
0: <laughs> oh man, especially and
2: to, with to, you know to add something. Oh, go ahead, Adam.
0: I was going to say, um, I these late moves. You know, when it was Ben Olsen, he didn't have a dogmatic system. It was you know it was about feel and fit and and all that sort of stuff those late arrivals could, could work like Lucho Acosta was a very late arrival during like midway through three season. Chris Rolfe was a trade very late. Um, But now you, those players need time to get integrated into the system. And thankfully we don't have a big smash up of, you know, multi-game weeks to start the season. It's, it's a, a reasonable, responsible one game a week cadence for like the first 10 weeks. It's wonderful. I'm really excited about it. Uh, but you want those players in at the beginning of preseason. So they can get that fitness test out of the way. They can start learning the system and learning where they need to be, who they're playing with all of that. And I feel like that's more important now than it may have been under Olson. So I, I I'm starting to get a little nervous about the lack of, of anything breaking loose and hopefully it does break loose um, by the next cool. time we record
1: and just to add to it um it's not like there haven't been voices from the team calling for this because Losada himself yeah. mentioned several times last year that he wanted the inv- he wanted ownership to provide the investment uh to you know this came up so often the the comparison of playing a game in which one or both designated players were unavailable while New England has all three of their starting or whatever. Um, The expenditures uh, are known. And when the coach is calling for additional investment, um, if it doesn't come, maybe if you're a coach, it's like, well, maybe this is as far as I can take this group because the players that I need to take that next step aren't going to arrive. Now, I don't think that we're there yet, but, you know, if they enter the season with a roster that is largely unchanged, by definition, that is a roster that hasn't been invested in very much at all. Um, and that becomes a problem. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what DC is gearing up for. Um, because it, it is it is important for them to um, add to this group. It's not just that the group has to get healthier. It's that it has to be added to. Um, there were things where they were short uh, a few times last year. And even if everyone's healthy this year, you've got to consider... World Cup qualifying is going to, uh, unfortunately, be a constant. There are going to be games all over the place. So, Ariola is going to get called in. Edison Flores is going to get called in. Uh, Junior Moreno, if he resigns, which is still an un... We don't have a resolution on that. He's going to get called in by Venezuela. Um, And on and on and on. So, you have to be ready for those absences. Um, uh, Andy Nahar is going to get called in by Honduras, which means that he will almost certainly have to rest when he comes back from those games. So all of these things are, um, they make it important not to just uh, make big moves, but also to make several moves uh, to fill out, not just the everyone wants a third designated player. That's all well and good, but you also need to fill in. I mentioned Assad. I mentioned your, I think a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, Jordy Reyna in this way. Um, these guys that are maybe not starters, but are good off the bench guys that can start 10 games and, and be at a good MLS level. You need to fill some of those guys in or, you know, show some kind of public statement that is like, you know, we think Moses Nyman is now good enough to start in the league or We're we're going to go all in on him or someone else that's been on the team that wasn't getting those minutes last year publicly back them. But right now we're all kind of like, you know, what is it going to be? Um, now, hopefully, like Ben, you mentioned that DC tends to play really close to the vest. Hopefully, that's what's coming is that one of these days, Absolutely. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be working all morning. And then when I put my work to the side to see what's going on with DC, I'm going to see an email and I'll be like, Oh, I have to write something immediately. Um, and I mean, I won't be happy in the moment, because I will have to freak out and, and scramble. <laughs> but from a broader fan perspective since you most of you do not have to write uh, articles for websites um, you'll be glad to see something and maybe it will be something that comes out of nowhere um, we'll see uh, i do uh, they they certainly cleaned they cleared the deck we talked about this in the offseason as well um, in 2020 that offseason the contracts were set up in a way where the team was going to be kind of stuck we were it was kind of clear that there wasn't going to be a major change cuz there were just too many contracts to get rid of. A lot of those have been cleared. Um, a lot of those high paying veteran deals are off the books. Reina, Assad, Briant. Um, those are guys that made a good deal of money because of their veteran status. They aren't on the books anymore. So where do you go from here? Um, what's, what's, what do you do with all that space? Uh, because MLS is not a league where you can be the lowest spending team overall, but uh, you know, are you working the margins of the cap? And right now I don't think this roster, you could say that because there's still plenty of cap room that's just not being used. Um, yep. I don't need DC to outspend TFC. Like it's great if they want to say, well, fine, you guys sign Lorenzo and we sign someone that's even more expensive. That's great. If they want to do that, they should do that. Um, but they don't have to do that. And I don't think, for the record, I don't think TFC is going to actually get a lot of – I think Insigne is going to do well, but I don't think they are necessarily set them setting themselves up to do well. Um, but DC has got to do something. You can't just – you can't kind of be in between, right? Like it doesn't feel like they're doing a Philadelphia Union youth movement and inexpensive transfers, um, but it also doesn't feel like they're doing a TFC and just throwing money at the problem. So if you're kind of in between, you're not really to either one of those things – what are you? Um, and we've talked about this before, like DC kind of needs to show that what the plan is, and then execute on it. And until we start seeing some moves, we're kind of in the dark on which direction they plan on going. Are they just building from the ground up with the youth movement? Then tell us, you know, then say, we're going to do that. And that's the thing. Um, but we're kind of in the dark at this point. And maybe it's they're like, look, listen, you know, preseason's coming. The moves are coming. You'll hear about it in two weeks and you'll be fine. But, you know, it's January 13th and we're like, guys, is, it, is there anything? And it's like, well, you know, here's yeah. one. And It's like, well, we knew that one was coming. Um, we've known,
0: you know. Maybe they're waiting for preseason to start to, to do these physicals and make announcements and, and everything. Maybe they already have lots of things lined up and they're just rolling them out at their own pace.
1: That's make, the charitable the I mean, view. The situation. Until we situation, until we have
0: something to talk about, though, this is what we have to talk about.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. The, the no, Cudi Pietro situation. True. We knew about that signing being effectively done like before Christmas. Um, yeah. So they opted to hold that until the announcement until now for various reasons. Maybe he was away for family vacation and they couldn't do the the video content that they did because um, they had his him and his whole family out in front of the training facility. It was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they wanted to do that, so they said we're going to hold the announcement until that is allowed. Great, but you know, at a certain point, like you know, we got to hear some rumors. We heard the Nigel Roberta rumors a little while before it actually happened. It took a while. That was kind of a a month long thing. This is how we were keeping track of Levski Sofia's results in the
2: Bulgarian league. Right. Um, because it, yes. it, was, it was an up and down. He was scoring goals. He wasn't scoring goals. And he was scoring much, many more goals. Yeah, and... He
1: got hot right as it became serious that the transfer yeah, might happen. Exactly. Um, which is great. Yeah. But I would like to have some other, you know, give me some other club that I'm suddenly having to pay attention to uh, based in wherever. Uh, if there's a Turkish league club that they want to sign a guy from that's going to be an attacking contributor. Hey, you know, Jason. Let me know how about. Is.
2: What if we concentrated on uh uh Rapid Vienna and maybe we signed a guy named uh, I don't know, Branko Boscovich?
0: Wait, I've heard of him. He's a leather jacket enthusiast.
2: <laughs> a noted, unnoted leather jacket man. <laughs> Better than I I would rather sign a leather jacket enthusiast than an anti-cow person. Mm. I mean, the the Leather Jacket Enthusiast did end up having a bigger effect. Well, I mean, the Leather Jacket Enthusiast had a better career than the anti-cow person for DC United. Yeah.
0: It's true. I think we are are clearly (laughs) out of things to talk about, so we're going to call that a show. Thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster find us on twitter at filibuster DCU for the podcast at black and Red for the website i'm jumping in
2: and send us all your pictures of your leather jackets too at filibuster dcu <laughs> or
0: sure, your pictures not? of
2: or your pictures of not enjoying cows but, like, yeah.
1: passively. Like, if
2: you're violently not enjoying No, cows, No, no, no. No violence, no violence. Don't do that, but also no, don't send no, 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 us that.
0: Like, if you're standoffish against a cow, you're, that's you're, what we want to see.
2: Your mild distaste of cats. You just don't want to be near one is the only thing.
0: Mild discomfort at cow proximity. Yeah. Uh, at Bromley Soccer, at Jason DC Soccer, at 202 AMT... Uh, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com download subscribe rate and review wherever you get your podcasts mostly though tell a friend about the show it's the best way to spread the word it always has been it always will be uh thanks again for listening for jason and ben i'm adam we'll talk to you again real soon stand with the vantalord jason uh, i'm going to watch iron chef as soon as we're done